I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, it's Allie for the Hollywood Life podcast. And as promised, Bonnie and I are back for a two a day. We're the second day in a row. We are uh, coming in hot with our uh, second podcast this week because we had such a special one yesterday post Oscars. We obviously had to talk all about the fashion and get that to you quick uh, with Melissa Rivers. But today, Bonnie and I are here. We are going to talk a little bit more about the Oscars, but some of the celebrity news that's coming out of there, um, some new breaking news that we're hearing. And also, of course, we have a fabulous podcast that Bonnie did with Paulina Porzakova at the end of this uh, gossip chat. So make sure you guys stick around for that one. But without further ado, hi, Bonnie. How are you? I'm doing great. And yes, we have, like, it's been such a busy week for celebrity news and you guys have to stick around to listen to my absolutely fascinating interview with Paulina Poroskova. She has a new book out uh, called No Filter, but she just talked about so many things that have not been really revealed before by herself. Some of them are from the book, but some are just from our really, really in-depth interview. But anyway, we've got breaking news. So let's let's talk oh, about it. Lindsay Lohan is pregnant. I know. And I feel so old. <laughs> old. Um, I like she I'm so happy for her because I feel like she really had not I not, don't want to say like a rough childhood. She had like she was a child star and that kind of put her in the spotlight a bit. And she kind of went through some addiction issues and drinking, et cetera, et cetera. And so she left the spotlight um, and found love when she left the spotlight. And now she is going to be a mom. It's so exciting. I'm really excited for her too. Uh, you know, she had such an incredible career as a teenager, uh, parent trap, of course, which I watched yeah. about 55 times oh and God. freaky Teen girls. Right. Mean Girls was so good and Freaky Friday, so many good films. And then she just really, I guess, you know, couldn't handle that fame. It's a lot. And she also had parents who went through, you know, not just in a, a very contentious divorce, but it was all very dramatic. You know, it was splitting, getting back together and splitting again. And uh, her father got in trouble with the law at one point. So it was a lot. And it's, it really seemed to, I mean, it definitely threw her off course. And I, I think for, you know, a lot of us, we wondered who covered her and thought she was you know, just, we admired her talent and she was the hottest thing. Like everyone wanted to book her for a movie and then to see her go off the rails and not be able to get work. And she's worked so hard on her comeback yeah. um, her career. Yep. Um, and now that she's, mm-hmm. and now she's found love with mm-hmm. Bader, Shamas. Yes. Bader Seamus. He, um, okay. he is like a financier. He's, he's like a, um, 
he's not a famous person. Um, and that's like perfect for her. And I think that she's really, she's kept a low profile with him, but also kind of introduced him to the public a little. It just like, they'll go to sporting events together. He'll walk a red carpet with her, but she's done such a great job with this comeback. I mean, she really came back and like branded herself and who she wanted to be. She's been sitting front row in fashion events. She did a great Christmas movie this year that people just loved her in. Yeah, um, that was really good. She's looking amazing. She sounds amazing. Um, and so I just, she just was in a, I believe it was in Milan, her brother and sister walked on the runway. She sat front row and, and supported them. And so I, it's just great to see her thriving. And as we all know, they're doing a musical iteration of Mean Girls, uh, a movie. And uh, the whole original cast is in talks to make some cameos in it. So we'll see maybe, you know, her character, she comes back pregnant. Who knows how that'll fit in. But uh, very excited to see her as a mom. Yes, me too. Star of the Parent Trap, becoming a parent. Oh, how funny. Yeah. How funny. I mean, yeah, I'm just, it's so good to see her full circle. And also, you know, she's always been very tight with her <laughs> siblings. Yes. And to see that that survived through all the thick and thin that she's been through. Let's mm. now that's that's happy couple news. But let's talk about some of the other couple news because some concern about again about Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. Yep. So yeah, a few weeks after pretty much Megan erased all traces of MGK from her Instagram and you know, posted some, some angry Beyonce lyrics and things burning in a fire. Um, she very dramatic, very dramatic. She went to the Vanity Fair Oscars party and she was noticeably without her engagement ring. And that's such a cool ring too. I love her engagement ring with the green emerald and the diamonds set apart and a really interesting, um, design. So it's something you would notice. It's very yeah. personal. And so the combo of coming alone, not wearing her ring, well, there hasn't been any announced split. Clearly, they're still having issues. I mean, I'm yeah. saying clearly, like I'm not in, I'm not in the room with them, but it I, I feel like Megan has been telegraphing to her fans that there's issues. Yes. Well, and she's spoken out saying that there was no infidelity and things like that, because originally people suggested that Machine Gun Kelly cheated on Megan with his uh, guitarist, and that was not the case. And so Megan did clear the air on that. But yeah, I mean, reports all said that she was just really, really, really mad at him about something. And who knows, uh, it seems as though if she's not wearing her ring, they haven't necessarily come back from it. Um, yeah, I do. Listen, I always hope for a couple that they can work things out when they seem to have been so compatible. I mean, could they have dressed alike any more than they were so coordinated, but they yeah. seem to have so much in common in terms of kind of their interest in, um, how, how do we say that? Like in the, the supernatural sort of supernatural sure. type. Yeah. Things. Like the spiritual Yes, exactly. And they're both parents. So, well, guess we'll just be watching that one closely. Mm -hmm. But, you know, another a romance that appears to be picking up steam, Kendall Jenner and Bad Bunny were together yeah. post-Oscar parties. Yep. So Kendall and Kylie both were photographed arriving along with their friend Haley Bieber on the red carpet at the Vanity Fair Oscars party. But it seems that Kendall 
dipped out of there and went to Beyonce and Jay-Z's after party. At the well, party. I mean, who wouldn't? Yes, at the Chateau Marmont. <laughs> and uh, they were, she, she was spotted leaving in the same car as Bad Bunny. Now this comes after they were seen on the double date. They've been seeing like kind of canoodling here and there a little bit, but they left the party together too. Mm-hmm. And a big night. Like, it's not like, it's not like you don't know that you're going to be seen together when it's Oscars night and you're going to such a high profile, uh, profile event as Beyonce right. and Jason's big party. Totally. There's paparazzi. There's people inside reporting. Uh, they know. So interesting. I mean, people are really upset about it, actually, because people are huge Bad Bunny fans, like love Bad Bunny, all this stuff. And there are a lot of Kardashian, Kardashian haters out there. And so people are upset to see Bad Bunny with her. But I mean, like, it's not up to them. So we're not into haters. We're, we're not, not into haters. Yeah, Let people find love. Exactly. So yeah. more love, the better. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but another kind of like, I don't want to call them a couple because it's been so back and forth, but Leonardo DiCaprio and Gigi Hadid were also both at that Vanity Fair party. And there are continued rumors that these two are seeing each other on and off, not exclusive, but definitely seeing each other for a while now. Yeah. And they went to, not only were they at that party, but they were seen arriving at another private party. Um, I think it was like held by one of the big talent agents, agencies, and it must be the agency that Leo's with. The only thing I've got to say about that is, you know, I like Gigi so much and I think she's such a pro with her career and clearly a great mom is Leo is so obviously not into making commitments. I mean, he just has had a string of girlfriends. The guy's like in his mid forties. Right. She's like the oldest person he's ever dated. Right. He gets older, but the girlfriends don't get younger. Exactly. He's like spotted with 19 year olds. Like Gigi can definitely do better. And, you know, in situations like this, I think that celebrities do frequent the same parties. Like it could very well have been happenstance that they both were going to the same party no I think they were seen getting out of the same car ah I did not know that okay mm-hmm. um well similarly another couple that I'm really obsessed with is Justin Long and Kate Bosworth they've been recently um dating like I think the past year or so and she was spotted with a big diamond on her hand at the Vanity Fair party so now everyone thinks that they might be engaged and they were just like glowing kissing so excited so happy on the red carpet so cute together so I really hope that they're engaged we don't have any details on that yet um but that's the rumor well I well for their sake I hope so too but you know the thing that really blows me away is how can Kate Bosworth be the age that she is because for me isn't she always she's always going to be blue lagoon or whatever was that movie yeah blue crush that was one of my blue crush yeah not to be confused with blue lagoon with brooke shields (laughs) yes blue crush was one of my favorite movies and yeah kate bosworth is 40 and she's Uh, i know that's how i feel about Lindsay lohan yeah totally how i feel about Lindsay lohan um and then one other couple that's was spotted together again at, at an Oscars after party or like rumored couple, we can say Sabrina Carpenter and Shawn Mendes. 
Yes. There's a lot of like budding romance. It's coming. Yes. He is interesting because yeah. he's been only the only other woman he's really been spotted with since his split from Camilla was his, um, I guess his doctor or his trainer, like a doctor who's like really right. into fitness and everything. And she's twice his age. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that that, um, I, I mean, I'm happy if he's with Sabrina because I thought that being with the chiropractor was bizarre, honestly. Well, maybe they were just friends. They could have been. And he was yeah. just like taking her as a, a plus one everywhere. <laughs> Look at that face. Hey, listen, you know, I guess you're equal shade on major age differences because not into Leo and Gigi and then not into Sean and his chiropractor. Yeah. I'm kind of like... I'm not against Leo and Gigi for age. I'm just against that he's a commitment phobe. For like, yeah, like her soul. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She needs okay. somebody who's going to love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't disagree with that, especially what she went through with Zane, I think was like yes. a little static and very back and forth and like just such a young relationship. She needs like a man. Who's going to like take care of her, even though she doesn't need taking care of. And she's like independent woman. She deserves somebody who's going to like match her drive and her like commitment to her family, you know, just somebody, yeah, somebody with substance somebody to match her. Exactly. Yes. And I don't know who that is, but I hope she uh-huh. finds him. Yeah. I hope she finds him too. Let's talk though about, since we're all kind of on Oscars and this has all been a lot. Oh, no. If you want to throw in there about Chloe Kardashian, she posted like, talk about people who can't seem to completely split. Now I know they're officially split, but Chloe Kardashian spends, seems to have a lot of positive feelings and for Tristan Thompson. Um, she was super supportive of him after his mom died, his beloved mom. And I respect her for that. But she sent, she posted an Instagram for his 32nd birthday that was just so gushingly full of love. And listen, they got two kids together and she was praising his parenting. Good to know that he's such a good dad. I mean, that's the most important thing, but doesn't it like you could do all that without really being so public? Like, why is she so public? And it just, there's constantly rumors that they're going to get back together. What do you think? Yeah. So, you know, I think that her, when she posted the first part of her caption where she wished him a happy birthday, you're truly the best father, brother, uncle, you know, she wasn't like partner and co-parent, you know, she just was like, she kept it there. Um, you know, your she talked about his parenting, your love, attention, dances, carpool rides, etc. It means so much to your family of kids. But then she went into like her birthday wish for him. And that's where I was like, Yeah, Chloe, come on. And like she knows what she's doing because she turned the comments off on the photo. So no one can comment on it because she knows like it's messed up. Like this guy, I mean. He cheated on her twice. I can't imagine twice. God, I think it's well that we know about. Right. No, but even more than that, that we know about, like between Jordan, the girls that we, there were like videos of like three different girls around that same time as Jordan, like of him in a club. And then 
the girl that he Marilyn Mar- Nichols. Marilyn Nichols. Right. Who got pregnant with his his third child that he right. doesn't have a relationship with. Right. And this, you know, I think that when you have it's like when you have when you like and you're not a public person, you're a private person, and you're in a toxic relationship and your friends like almost like hold an intervention and they tell you that you know you're screwing up your life, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And like they get mad at you every time you go back. Chloe has that with like a billion people. Like a billion people are mad at her every time <laughs> she goes back. And so I don't blame her for turning the comments off on this, but like that you have to know, like, it is like watching a train wreck every single time. And like, you know, and she's talking she just doesn't about, seem like she can quit him. She just no. can't quit him. And she's talking about, and I know, like, I almost think that they are back together because I think she's trying to like set it up for the public to see that he craves change, healing and transformation. Come on. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I, you're making your, continue to make your soul proud. Like, I think she's like trying to set it out to be like, he's changed so much again. Like you always believe that they changed. Tiger doesn't change their stripes, Chloe. No, literally Tiger Woods doesn't change. (laughs) He just split up with his girlfriend. I know another one. Yeah. Um, But there are marriages where one partner cheats and the marriage stays together and that's just part of their relationship and they're you know the other partner's okay with it or maybe they cheat too so who knows maybe you can be happy with things like this going on as long as you've got the major commitment but you've got to be up you you've got to be really prepared for that I mean you she already broke up with him a couple of times oh yeah a a few several several I think we're at two hands now. (laughs) It's disappointing, but you know, you can't, it's like, you can't control who your friends date. You can't pick who your favorite celebrities date. (laughs) And you're not going to be doing anything like that. No, God, no. (laughs) Rich better not either. (laughs) That's right. That's how I feel. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's not normal. It's not love. Which is no, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's real love. I really agree. Now, there were some no shows that were pretty notable, I thought. And I really wonder why they didn't go this year to the Oscars, the Oscars. or to the Vanity Fair parties. Sure. Like, where was Kim Kardashian? Um, two of her sisters were at Vanity Fair. Chloe wasn't, but Kim's done that party before. I'm sure she yeah. was invited. She's been to the Oscars. <laughs> and Benifer. Benifer wasn't I there. I missed Benifer. Benifer wasn't there. Also, um, last year, Courtney and Travis were at Vanity Fair together. They were absent too. Chris, I believe, was there last year also. And before we go into Benifer, because I did miss them as well, on the Kardashians, I don't know if Vanity Fair is like an invite only situation, but there are the rumors that the Kardashians are not invited to this year's Met Gala. So I wonder if they're being like, what? List. What? Yeah. Really? Yes. Page six reported last week that Anna Wintour did not invite the Kardashians to the Met Gala this year. Oh, I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Like what could have happened? Yeah, I mean, Kim always gets a lot of attention. She wore the Maryland dress last year. 
mean, yep. they all get a lot of attention. That's so interesting. But I don't think Kim would be crossed off of the Vanity Fair list. That right. to me is not believable. I think it was a choice. For some reason, she just yep. didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Or she's, you know, saving herself for something else. Who knows what commitment she had. Um, then I don't know why, like, you know, Ben Affleck, he's an Oscar winner. Yeah. This is their first year as a married couple. You would have thought it would be an incredible red carpet to make an appearance on. And again, Jennifer's gone many years before, like she's done. Yeah. And this was the first year too, since COVID that the list had expanded beyond presenters and nominees. Um, So very curious. And similarly, where was Tom Cruise? Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. Like his movie was was nominated of the year. Top Gun was nominated. I'm curious if it was similar. Like, I wonder if James Cameron didn't go and Tom Cruise didn't go because they didn't get their main nominations. Like James Cameron didn't get best director nom and Tom Cruise didn't get best actor nomination. But like, is maybe that's why they didn't show. They were kind of like, meh. But well, I don't know about James Cameron. I mean, I think they're they're different. But you know, there were uh, you know, there was rumors again that Tom didn't go because Nicole Kidman was going. And Nicole was a presenter, but she didn't have a film that was up for Oscars this year. Yeah. So, and really, they've been divorced for like 20 years. I mean, it's been a long time really they couldn't go to the oscars and also those event planners are so good at keeping exes separated so yeah. there's no awkward run-ins no i'm just and not like, buying that also there's so, i mean gosh if that was like the case for everybody and like exes like couldn't be in the same like <laughs> geez like nobody would go to the oscars <laughs> you know like i think yes. Nicole kidman literally dated like everybody in hollywood like it didn't she was she like Lenny, Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. Like yeah. She, like they're like these people have been in Hollywood forever, you know? That it's it's odd. I I wonder why like Leonardo DiCaprio didn't go to the show too, but he hasn't gone to the show in a long time. I mean, I don't remember him going for a while. But then yeah. talk about exes, Vanessa Hudgens and Austin Butler both went to the Vanity Fair party and they yeah. were both at the Oscars. Yep, they were. I mean, I was actually thinking about and and I was thinking about, oh, my God, Vanessa's interviewing people. I wonder if Austin has to stop to at her like and luckily he went to Ashley. But I was like, that was a choice, you know, I guess would just be too awkward unless they really were such good friends these days. But, you know, they both moved on. So um, I, I thought. I'd still want to know about Benifer. They were out looking at some $64 million palatial estate that they've supposedly just bought. But um, Jennifer has so much energy. I can't imagine that that tuckered her out. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, they went to the Grammys. Yes. And maybe like they were like there, we don't need, there's no need to get dressed up and go to this. Like if we aren't, doing anything right now maybe but we missed them we did we definitely did and I always miss a Jennifer outfit moment oh yeah totally miss a Jennifer outfit moment so hopefully we get one soon 
Yes. I, and I'm sure that they'll make an appearance at the Met Ball. Yes, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Um, but in the meantime, I guess that's a wrap kind of on award season for us for the most part until we pick up with like the fun ones, like the ACM awards, like all our fun country music awards. And the Billboard and awards. Are Billboard, VMAs, yeah, all of those, the MTV, movie and TV, all coming up. And of course, the Met Gala in May. So and Hollywood Live will have incredible coverage as always. But everyone stay on and listen to my interview with Paulina Poroskova, who has a, this really riveting new book. I mean, I couldn't put it down. No filter. We talk about it, but we and we talk about revelations from the book, but also she made some revelations. She broke some news in the podcast. So stay tuned and listen. Yes. Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and stay tuned. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I'm here with the Hollywood Life podcast. It's me today, solo, Bonnie, Bonnie Fuller. Um, Unfortunately, my co-anchor, Ellie Stagnita, is tied up at the moment and can't join us. But we have the most fabulous guest, a friend of the show, who has been on our Hollywood Life podcast before, and she has big, big news, and it's very exciting, and I can't wait to get started with our interview. So everybody welcome, um, now author and supermodel and Instagram influencer, Paulina Poroskova. Hi, Paulina. Hello. Nice to see you again. Yeah, so nice to see you. And I just have to say that this, your new book, which is out called No Filter, um, is really fascinating. It is so interesting. Um, I loved reading it and I learned so much about you that I didn't know. Like, I'm so (laughs) glad that you've written this book. And first of all, before we start, I know you've been you've been out speaking about it and I see you're talking about it on Instagram, but is it available in bookstores? Is it um can you oh get God, it on Amazon? Yes. I mean, I would hope so. Okay, um, good, good, good. <laughs> it's definitely the 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 release date was November 15th. So it has oh, been okay. a bookstore since, and it's also available on audio, which I am reading. Um I have had people come up to me and say how nice that was because they felt like they were sitting you know, with me over a cup of tea while I was telling them about my life. Yes. Uh, so that was, that's kind of nice. But yeah, the book is definitely out available and you can, you should be able to get it anywhere. And if your bookstore doesn't have it, complain. definitely well that's good I just want to make sure of that because I think so many of our listeners and viewers are going to want to go and get this book after they hear our conversation and learn more about it and you know it really it it covers really your whole life like you talk about your childhood I mean a very 
unique childhood because you grew up in communist Czechoslovakia and your family escaped or were allowed to leave finally. And you came, you moved to Sweden, you became a model kind of like you didn't even like it just kind of happened. And you were very young when you started a teenager and you got global fame as a model. And then you, through your work, you met and fell in love with the cars um, lead singer. And I guess, you know, he was kind of a founder of the cars, Rick Ocasek. And a songwriter. And a songwriter, Rick Ocasek. And you were only 19 when you met and um, you had a long marriage to two beautiful sons. And then he he died. You were in the process of divorcing. He died and he cut you out of his will. And you've been you have really had to explore like and sort of reemerge as a person. So I just wanted to kind of give this overview. And it there's you talk about a lot. You share a lot in your Instagram, but there's so much more in this book. So tell us, why did you decide to write the book? Okay, so, um, and thank you, by the way, for rounding it up so nicely of like, yeah, that is basically my life. And and there's obviously a lot more detail to be filled. A in. lot more, a lot. And we're going to talk about it. Well, that, that's why people should buy my book. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to make sure that they're so fascinated that they right. have to read. We'll, we'll do a lot of cliffhangers and then uh-huh. the book to see. Um, but yes, the your question was why, why write this book in the first place? Um, you know, when Rick died and um, and I I started gaining some Instagram fame as the lady who cries on Instagram, <laughs> um, I had agents come to me wanting to, you know, have a memoir, tell all, you know, I, I guess it was a, it seemed like a natural spot for a betrayed angry woman to write um, sort of, you know, uh, a, a mean piece of work about how victimized I felt and how betrayed I was. Um, but of course I wasn't going to do that. I loved my husband. I love my husband. Uh, I always will love my husband. We did not, we probably didn't have like the most healthy of all marriages, but we had, and I'd say 25 years of love, of, of real love, however dysfunctional it was, it was love and safety. And, um, so, you know, this is not a person I'm going to tear down. (laughs) So the book came about by, with Maria Shriver, who started- Really? Yes, she started her own imprint on Penguin Random House. And she called me out of the blue. I don't know Maria Shriver. I mean, I know who she, Maria Shriver is, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know her personally. So getting a call from her out of the blue was, um, was puzzling to say the least. And she said, I follow you on Instagram and I love what you're doing. And I'm starting an imprint and I would love for you to write a book for me. I only, I will only publish, you know, a small amount of books every year. And I want to make them books that matter, that, that make a difference in the world that are, you know, good for people to read. And I would like you to sort of do what you don't do on Instagram. And then she sort of referred me back to her book of devotionals, which is called I've Been Thinking. Lovely book full of sort of, you know, uh, hope and, and, and gratitude. And, and I think she meant for me to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And I completely misunderstood the task and, <laughs> and instead wrote these uh, fairly wrenching essays about my life because that is what had stacked up in me. You know, I mean, it was 
I hadn't been thinking about anything else, but sort of going back through my life and where did I go wrong and what did I do wrong and and how can I how can I how can I start again? Where do I start from? You know, I I really felt like with the death of my husband, the subsequent will, and then this man that I had fallen in love with after my husband and I had separated left me on the day that I managed to sell my house. Uh, because in the middle of the pandemic, wasn't it? Yes. Pandemic, and so I'm losing a house of 30 years. My boyfriend walks away from me. And I literally felt like I was just handed a hand grenade. Mm-hmm. And as I stood staring at it, it blew up and destroyed everything, everything mm-hmm. around me, everything I knew, everything I relied on, all my safety, all I, all I had built, all I had accomplished, left me standing naked in the rubble. So where are you going to go next? Um, and the book, I suppose, was a first step in sort of just trying to figure out why my life, why my journey had left, led me up to this rather unpleasant point, mm-hmm. you know, what, and had I, and I, and, you know, and I don't, even though I felt betrayed, I never see myself as a victim. Um, I believe that I was a contributing factor to the things that happened to me. Um, I don't think I was victimized. And so I needed to take a really good, long, hard look at myself of what I had caused, what I had contributed, and how to rebuild my house brick by little brick stronger and more and bigger and uh, to better withstand you know, life's events. Yes. And the, and the thing is now it's been about three and a half years since Rick died. Right. Yeah. Um, And you really have, I mean, I can see it. uh, I can just see your progression just from the times that we've talked on our podcast. And of course on your Instagram and then your book explains so much but you did, I mean, because you were, listen, you were, you may, and you talk a lot about, a lot about aging and the different view of aging and society's view on your Instagram. But really, you were, and in the modeling world, listen, in, in, in the modeling and sometimes the acting world, it's like age accelerates for women. Oh, yeah. But you really, when when he died, you were about 55. Yep. Yeah. So 55, I mean, still you were, I consider that still a young woman, like you're not elderly. You sometimes refer to yourself that way, but you are not. Well, you know what? I don't feel elderly, but I am described as elderly by my Oh, okay. That's the attractive. You know, it's not that I believe them, but that is how I am described. Well, I know it's insane, but really you, you weren't, but yet you have and your honesty about having to look back and, and really reflect and evaluate and then rebuild. And I can, I, myself, I'm I'm not like your best friend, but I can see the, the building you've done, but you know, you, um, first of all, I mean, one of the revelations, which I, most people who who have been interested and watched this from afar didn't realize, I think, the gravity and the multiple punches that you got 
you already were going through a very difficult divorce with a man that you still love and you still loved. And yet it was not pleasant. And then he died and that was devastating. But then the, this, the person that you had fallen in love with after you were separated, then left you too. And you and you law and you were cut out of your husband's will. So you had like no money. Like you just when you say you had a hand grenade, I mean, that's a lot for any person. Like, I don't I mean, that really is you got triple whammy. I mean, quadruple whammied. And yet you're you kept standing. I mean, you describe the difficulty of it. Fairly, quite honestly, it's not, you know, you know, they say that the most stressful uh, events in one's life is death, divorce and moving. Uh, Uh, Everyone. I hit hit the trifecta. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got the Uh, trifecta. Heartbreak plus financial issues. I mean, yes, I I managed in and menopause. Let's not forget. I was going through menopause at the same time. So. Like literally, it couldn't have been worse. Um, well, no, I mean, I, I could have also gotten sick, or my, ch- my one of my children could have gotten sick, and that would have made it worse. But you know, as things go, it seemed like everything was being taken away from me. Right. Um, and I um, wait. Where am I going with this? I, I, I was going into somewhere. what? Well, I think that your insights into and how you're you talk you. You just tried, you're so honest about your devastation and how you desperately tried to find anything to help you cope. Yes. And I think that, you know, that reading for that part of the book, for any woman who's going through a, di- a divorce, a breakup, a big change of life, you know, I think they will find your insights and what you learn from that, you know, very, very helpful. Uh, it would be wonderful. It would be wonderful if if one person does, and you know, even better with two, etc. And I've had because the book has been out for like a couple of months now. I do have people that come up to me that have read the book, and it's the most to me, it's the most touching and the most wonderful thing that has ever happened in my life. Is women that come up to me that have underlined parts of my book that spoke to them. And they, sometimes they read it back to me and they cry. And it's, it's such an amazing feeling of connection, you know, that in my honesty and my truth, I, I think resembles everybody's truth. Because when you really strip away all the layers, our emotions are all the same. They might be, you know, dependent, depending on different situations, but it feels the same. The pain is the same. The joy is the, the same. And um, so that that has been incredibly, incredibly rewarding. And my favorite part is too that women come up to me with different parts of the book. It's not like everybody underlines right. sentiment and goes, "I really like this." No, I have women that come up to me and thank me about my essay about anxiety, and women that that thank me for the heartbreak uh, essay, and then some for the grief, and some for the aging, and talking about beauty and aging, and how my how me myself how insecure I still am with, with battling with this like self-acceptance versus I still kind of want to be pretty. I don't want, you know, I don't, I, uh, where am I going with this? I don't know. 
Um, and I have a chapter on height, which usually gets ignored except for really tall women. And then they are always the, the first ones to go, oh my God. Right, because you're 5'11". Yeah, thank yeah. you for talking about height and women and tall women and how everybody, the assumption is that if you are tall as a woman, that that's kind of like a good thing. But how bad it can feel at times because it sort of also defeminizes you to a certain mm -hmm. extent because height's supposed to be the masculine domain. So you may be seen as, as a slight, slightly more powerful, but you're also treading on male territory, which then gets a little dangerous. Yes, that was really, I thought that was great. That, that And really, I mean, I'm really short, so it's something <laughs> I would have thought of. But yeah, that was, that was, I thought, you know, really insightful and out and wonderful that you brought up even that you know you were just 19 when you met Rick and I didn't realize and I sort of followed your career like I didn't realize that the two of you were together maybe because it wasn't public for like three years while he was still married and you were carrying on a very involved romance mm -hmm. well he was still married before he actually got divorced and it sounds like you got married pretty much right after that. Yes. yes. And we got married when I was 23 when we got married. Yeah. So you, you were still very young. You were, I guess, together then four years in this. And, and you describe yourself. I mean, you admit that you were really naive. You totally trusted yes. that he would, he would in fact marry you. And you also just gave fully all of yourself into this relationship and as an outsider and maybe somebody now who's older and I am, I understand the romanticism of how, you know, you describe it, you talk about it in your relationship that it was just like being in a fairy tale with, you got your prince who totally took care of you, like totally. But now as somebody who's a little older and look back on life, I mean, he was very controlling. Yes, he was very <laughs> controlling. Uh, actually exceedingly controlling and especially in the beginnings of our relationship he sort of he, he mellowed out a little bit once we had children and you know and he knew that he had me I wasn't going anywhere then he and he um and he got a slightly easier but you know it's what I construed as love to me I thought you know I came from a, a, a pretty dysfunctional home as mm -hmm. you can read in my book and I didn't know what a loving couple was. I had never seen an example of, of two people together who loved each other. I always saw drama. Everything was super dramatic. You know, there was chases and fights and, you know, axes flying with my grandfather. And, oh, my and, God. And, you know, my mother, you know, grabbing knives and was going to go and stab my father. I mean, it was, <laughs> I know I didn't, I didn't talk about everything in the book because, you know, some of it is a, um, it's, I don't want to throw shade on anybody. Um, but it was, it was, I had a very dramatic childhood growing up, even just seeing how people behave between each other. So I thought. And lots of people think that, that that is how, you know, me, big romances are, that they're dramatic like that. Exactly. That it's all, you know, this, it's these grand gestures and tears and then the, you know, get back together is which they're just like, oh my God, I love you so much. I can't live without <laughs> yeah. you. And so I, I thought, I thought I had hit the jackpot. I thought I found a man 
who was able to love me the way that I wanted to be loved, which was completely, mm -hmm. obsessively, um, holy. And I didn't realize that that by immersing myself into this great love that I was going to lose little pieces of myself or that I was giving up my control as a, as a human being. Like I, I just didn't think far enough. I was 19, I was a kid, I was an idiot, you know? Um, but as, I, as, as the marriage kept going and I, and I started growing up, I started understanding little pieces of this. They're like, oh, wait a minute. Mm, that that's not quite right. And I think I'm not going to do that anymore. And the more I did that, the further away my husband backed off because that was not what he had signed up for. He had signed up for me being 19, I guess. Yeah, because he really um he he you know didn't want you doing certain things with your career. Like it it affected your career not being able to. You know, take but you know what? It affected his too. Hmm. It's 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 not that he just said, you know, sit at home and take care of everything and I'm going to go out and work. He also neglected his career in favor of, from, of me. He didn't do certain projects because, you know, because he needed to be around me. And so we we both took hits in our careers because we were so full of loving bubbles that this obsessiveness. Yeah. Did, do you know, was he like that with his, he had two other marriages. Was he like that with his two other marriages? Well, I wouldn't know. Obviously I would have to have asked the wives, which would be a very awkward conversation. Um, I have no idea of knowing, uh, but I know he was unkind in talking about his ex-wives. And that is a really good indication of how somebody will turn against you one day. And I didn't figure that out until the boyfriend that left me that, oh, you know, early warning flags that I should, could have heeded, would have heeded had I known better. Because mm -hmm. I, you know, I sort of walked out there, whatever, age of 53, 54, being like, whoa, uh, you know, I'm in love again. It, it, it happened. Isn't it wonderful? But I fell in love again, like a 19 year old. I sort of repeated the same mm -hmm. mistakes that I did when I was 19, because the things I had learned were not so much about how to fall in love. They were about the relationship itself, how to conduct yourself in the relationship where you're taking care of everything and you're minding the children and you're minding the household and you're, you know, you being the captain of the ship. I was really, I was a really good captain of the ship. My kids will agree with that too. Um, so I knew how to be a captain of the ship, but I didn't know but but I when I first fell, fell fell in love, I became the damsel in distress instead of the captain captain of the ship. Yeah, the princess again. Yeah, with, with your rescuer oh, prince. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please help me out. I'm drowning. Yeah. Do you feel like you say that you had 25 years of real love and happiness? Was it not until 25 years together or 25 years of marriage that you started to? do enough independent things that he, that Rick began to pull away from you? Uh, it's kind of a good question. Um, I think, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the boiling frog syndrome. You sort of don't notice it until you're boiled. Um, so I, I, I don't really, I, there's no markers really for me. I just know that, that 
I felt really happy. He seemed really happy. We had these wonderful, two wonderful children and my wonderful stepkids. And, and you know, all, all like his side of the family that I adore. My stepkids and my step-grandkids are like the biggest gifts in my life that I got for free just by marrying this guy. Um, and then, you know, my family, everything seemed so um, safe. And I think that's the part that was in a way the most shocking to me with Rick's death was um, this, even though our marriage wasn't working and for a while, I mean, nobody gives up a marriage because you're unhappy one day, right? I mean, this is years in the making. Um, but little by little, you know, first you try to talk about it and you try to fix it. And I would suggest vacations. I would suggest therapy. And he would always just sort of turn around. And say, but at first he tried therapy. And then he turned around and said, you know what? Therapy is not working for me. So just go and do it yourself. Which is always a bit of a problem because then you just yeah. you become smarter and your partner is not on the same train. Yeah, it accelerates it. But it's like... I, you had a very um, kind of hot chemistry. You had a great sex life for a long time. And then, I mean, you've talked about this even before you wrote the book, like there was, then he stopped even touching you. Did that happen gradually? Was it like one day it was normal for you guys? And then he just didn't want to have like, I guess not even sex, but didn't even sound like he was, sort of affectionate with his, you know, putting his arm around you or kissing yeah, or anything. No, no, I think he, I think he was angry at me. In retrospect, I can see that he was angry at me, but back then I didn't know that because he wouldn't talk to me about it either. So I really didn't understand where this was coming from and what was happening to him because he wouldn't let me in. And I, now I think it was because of his pride, his enormous pride and, you know, some level of narcissism that he couldn't, um, couldn't open up and be vulnerable with me because maybe he thought that um, that I would reject him based on his weaknesses, which is which is such an awful thing because really you love somebody because of their vulnerabilities, because of their weaknesses. Um, and and I tried, I tried my hardest to 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 get him to talk to me, and he would and he would. I just hit it. I hit a brick wall. He would frequently say why do we need to talk about stuff? Like, why can't you just be happy? And that's how he shut me down. And obviously that's it's not going to work out for, you know, living in a relationship like that. But, but did it, but did it happen suddenly? Oh, he's, he's not touching me. His, I mean, uh, yes, as you said, our relationship was very much based on this romantic ideal of like, we're so hot for each other all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and my girlfriend's always, I remember, we're always slightly shocked about like how much sex we had, <laughs> you know, even 20 <laughs> years in, they'd go, really? <laughs> jealous, they were jealous. Well, no, and I'd go, you mean, wait, you mean you don't? Like, I didn't know this was in any way, um, you know, out of the ordinary. I thought everybody was doing this. So um, and then I found out, no, not, not maybe everybody. But no, that that was also gradual. It was all so gradual that that it was sort of hard for me to understand where that point came where I thought I've been completely erased. And 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 now what do I do? Like now that now that I'm a non non-human being, non-woman, 
how do I, how do I find myself? Who am I? Where am I going? Um, and then life had some more surprising events to throw at me. But so, um, so that thing I have to say though about being handed a grenade is that if you accept the challenge, which it is, it's are you gonna are you gonna rebuild? Are you gonna stay alive? Or are you, are you gonna fold? And I don't blame people who fold because I was pretty damn close on, on quite what kept time. you what kept you from folding? My children. And I think this is probably true for a lot of us, is like that one little thing which was my children had just lost their dad. Mm -hmm. Couldn't like they couldn't lose their mom too, so I had to prop myself up. Yes, no other option for me, you know. And of course, you know, at the time, sometimes I think, you know, what I'll just prop myself up for now. And then once I know they're okay, then then I'll see, you know, then I'll see. I, I I'm leaving my options open, but of course, it's a good thing to push things off up until tomorrow because you know you do sometimes feel better the next day or the day after that or the day after that. But um, yeah, I, I think I, it's, I hit like my very lowest point. I think it was November um, uh, after my husband's death and my boyfriend's leaving and COVID and the loss of- So this was just after he died, I think, um, let me see. So it was a couple. No, it was in September. And then it was until the following year. It was a following year. So it was almost a year later when I'm when when COVID hit. Well, it hit like four months later, but my boyfriend left and you know, and I sold the house and then I didn't have a place to live in New York anymore. All of that stuff. Um, but this is where I really hit the the bottom. And I I went to um and I was I knew I was perilously close to doing self-harm. And so I tried to call clinics to see if there was any depression rehabs that I could check mm -hmm. into. And guess what? Nothing was open in COVID. So too bad if you're depressed in COVID. Um, and I couldn't figure out what to do. I was like drowning. And a friend of mine offered me his house in Costa Rica because he owned some properties. And he said, take your boys, come over here, stay a month. You can be miserable in the sunshine. It'll feel better to be miserable in the sunshine. Yes, good point. Yeah. Everything's a little better in the sunshine and the warmth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and the beach. And, you know, so I, I went to my son, who, of course, they're like, you know, they're grieving their father. There's My son is in the middle of doing his master's degree. My younger son is like, in, you know, like doing finals for school, for college. And I said, uh, Jonathan... I'm really sorry, but you're gonna have to take me to Costa Rica. I know it sounds insane, but I, I, I beg you. And how old were the boys at that time? Um, like 25 and 21, some something like that, or 20 and 24. Um, and and Jonathan, who's the most obliging human being in the world, that will always say, "Of course, mom. Of course, mom." burst out into tears, put his head on the kitchen table and just sobbed and said, mom, I can't, I just can't. And I, you know, 
obviously your own unhappiness is one thing, but your child's unhappiness is uh, is another. And that one is even harder, I think, to a certain extent. And my heart was absolutely breaking. And I, but I had, it's like I had no other way to go. And so I burst out in tears and I put my head down on the table. And I said, Jonathan, I wouldn't ask you if it wasn't for a, if it wasn't for a matter of life and death. And he, you know, I think that sort of made him, this mother that had always captained the ship and, you know, and that could take care of everything and do everything and withstand everything was shattering in front of his eyes. And I think that was uh, shocking for all of us. And then my younger son, who's always been the one that's like, Oh God, I have to take out the garbage. Oh. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like so many kids. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and he's the one who came in and just looked at me and said, Mom, I'm gonna take you. Don't worry. I got you. Uh-huh. And wow. then we all ended up going to Costa Rica. And we in the COVID thing, everything was complete madness. You know, there was like oh. the airports didn't know what were what was going on. The flights were delayed and like they were half full and then uh, and, and everything was off. And uh, so we got on the plane, we got get into Costa Rica, we walk off the plane, walking through passport control. And the guy in the passport control looks at my passport and says, you can't come in lady, your passport's expired. Oh no. Oh. So. Um, <laughs> and this another, was, another thing. Yeah. Was, was like, it was just like, that was the straw that sort of broke the camel's back. You know, it was a silly little thing really. No, yeah, not really. Though. <laughs> yeah. But what ended up happening is that I crumpled to the floor in the middle of the airport with all these people there, and, and I started howling, and I was <laughs> sobbing uncontrollably, and nobody could talk. I've never lost control like this in my life ever. They had to come and 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 scoop me up and put me in a wheelchair and they put a blanket over my head and rolled me right back to the same plane. Oh my god! We have to. I, I'm sure that this your book is going to be a movie. This scene is going to be incredible. <laughs> the scene is not in the book. So oh, oh you can add it. You can add it into the screenplay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, that was a so um, yeah, that happened. So you never made it into Costa Rica. Never made it. And we just sat on the same damn plane for another six hours. Just oh, jeez. <laughs> um, you know, and the thing is, during COVID, it was really hard to get passports renewed, too. Possible. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it wasn't like you could go back, uh-huh. go go to the passport office, get it fixed, uh-huh. and go back in a week. Oh. No. And then I. And then I. And then like. I, end of my wits I checked myself into a Tony spa because that was the only thing open for a week and they had all kinds of like you know little woo woo things you know walk around with a gong and you know <laughs> let your troubles go one at a time on the sound of the gong and I was like I have nothing to lose I'm gonna do it all <laughs> and so I did and uh you know and I stayed alive so <laughs> so the gong worked too. It's just yeah, like, gong totally worked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, well, I'm very glad that it did. And how do you feel that you're, I mean, you, you began writing on Instagram mm. and you kind of focused 
on your feelings about aging? What made you decide to start to explore that and be open about your feelings about aging? Well, I never decided to be open about anything. I've always been open. It's just people didn't listen. People didn't have a direct connection to me. It was always translated by a journalist or the press. So they only asked me what they wanted to know, mostly diet tips and you know mm-hmm. beauty tricks and you know right. What's the fabulous life of a model? Um, so nobody was actually interested in knowing anything except for their already assumed picture of me to confirm their already as- assumed picture of me. And so um, you know, Instagram provided me with a direct um, megaphone uh, and and the direct line to people who were interested. And so it's not like I suddenly became open. I just finally was heard as opposed to just being this two-dimensional image on a page. Um, and that's that's what changed was the, the media of it, not, not me. It's always who I've always been. And did you find, were you surprised that you had, that you developed an audience there of, of followers that really wanted to hear what you had to say. I'm still, I am still shocked. I, I had a million followers on March 1st and I was like, Congratulations. I, I like, I don't understand how this stuff works. And I think maybe that's also a part of the attraction to me is that I really don't understand how this stuff works. Um, I'm just kind of plowing ahead with my heart and um and and who I am and I don't there's no premeditation to it there's no you know I'm not trying to sell products I'm just involved trying wanting to involve people in in conversations and um and be able to speak my mind because for so long I wasn't able to and uh and so this like how far it's gone it's always takes me by surprise that that's that that anyone cares, really, honestly, and that this many people care. And you know, this is in the old days, in the good old days, as they say, which I don't think we're all that good. Um, I would, you know, I would walk down the street and I would get comments from men. I would get the, you know, hey, you're the Sports Illustrated chick. Hey, babe, you want to date? You know, all that kind of stupid stuff. And uh, I mean, sometimes I would be vaguely flattered, but mostly it was just annoying. And I didn't get any of that. I haven't gotten any of that for years just due to my age. What I get is women calling out to me across the street going, Paulina, I love you. I follow you. Thank you. You're making me feel better about aging. You're making me you know, I you I feel like you held my hand when I was going through my divorce, or you know, my husband also died, and you've helped me. I mean, that the change of how I am perceived now by women, um, you know, as opposed to the way I was perceived as just some sort of a sex object, an inflatable doll that you know rolled around the streets. It's like I'm. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you were quite perceived like that. I saw you in a lot of fashion shows and I perceived you as an incredible model. Like you were just so, you were really good at, at you know, you look beautiful, but you, there also is an art to showcasing the clothing. 
which I think is completely lost on the runway models I see today. But anyway, that's a diversion. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a different topic. But yeah, yeah yes, I mean, you know, our job was to make clothes look good. It wasn't yes. just personalities necessarily. It was to make clothes look good. And so I I do believe in giving everything I do a hundred percent. So I wasn't going to skimp on modeling, whether I liked it or not. It was my job and I was going to do it to the best of my ability. But I, you know, for so long, I felt like I only got to be a real person to very few people around me. Um, and to the rest of the world, I was either a political refugee, you know, stinky communist, uh, you know, the, the enchanted Cinderella model that had everything and married to rock star and, you know, people envied me and people um, wanted to be me and they desired to own me. But that's all speaking from the from the point of view of somebody who, who sees an object, not an actual human being. So I've only recently sort of being allowed to join the human race thanks to my age <laughs> yay were you did you ever have discussions about this about aging and about the the perception of beauty with your husband when he was alive was that something that you he talked about not have given a crap that would have been absolutely and utterly uninteresting to me um and i did he would have been uninterested in it he would have been absolutely uninterested in it. He he only had a few uh, things that he was interested in and he didn't really necessarily think I was all that interesting or fascinating. So so then when I met a man who actually thought I was interesting, that was that was that was a really nice departure. And you're like, whoa, somebody thinks I'm smart and that what I say actually has some value and they will actually converse with me about things I want to talk about. Like, wow, what a novelty. And I did talk to him about the age. That was the boy, your boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. So-called boyfriend. Uh, so that's we, that, we that's amazing to me to hear again from you that you were in love and had a relationship that you considered a good marriage for 25 years. And that you, but that you're now saying that your husband didn't consider you interesting and didn't have an interest in listening to what you had to say. I think, I think that he thought that I was smart. Um, I mean, and he, he had said it um, earlier, you know, when things were good, he would say that he, you know, that 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 was very beautiful and that I was very smart. And so he would, he would compliment me. He would give me lots of affirmations, but from the very beginning of our relationship, you know, I was 19, he was 41. Of course, I thought he was 36 because that's what he said he was for a while until he, until we were going to get married and then he had to come clean with his age. Um, but he, from the very beginning, because he was a grown up to me and I was, you know, still, I, I just thought he knew everything. I just thought, well, he's the authority on everything. He's been married, he's had children. He knows what works, what doesn't. And he would claim that authority. He would say, I know what doesn't work in a relationship. Being apart from each other doesn't work. So you are going to have to stay close, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this doesn't work. And I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Got it. Yes, absolutely. You know, it was like God speaking. Um, And I, 
and he would talk a lot about his work. And of course, my husband was enormously talented. And he was, um, he wrote beautiful poetry and he took photos and he did art. I mean, he, he really was an artist and he could really spot good art in other people too. And so this was mostly the topics of conversation because that's what he was interested in. And so I would be interested in as well. And if I tried to bring up classical music or something that I had read, he'd just start yawning and look around. And so I assumed, I honestly assumed until I was about 50 years old that I was boring, that, wow. that my interests were just so lame <laughs> that, you know, that why, why would anybody want to talk to me about that? Because that's clearly boring. It bores my husband, so. Well, the other thing that struck me in the book and that I think will be, you know, very helpful to other women is how you, again, like following on what you're saying that you thought he knew everything and he was like a God, you totally gave up financial control of everything. Like you were bringing in a lot of money for a long time and you never thought anything of it. Like it just went in the joint bank account and he took care of it and you assumed everything was fine until it wasn't fine and you didn't have as much money. Well, uh, yeah, and then suddenly I didn't have any yet. Um, I mean, I think I think a lot of, uh, it's funny how women do that. Men yes. don't ever just hand over their finances to their wives and say, okay, you take care of it. Just let me know if I'm overspending. Um, and so many of us do that. Yeah, I believed, you know, I believe this was love forever. I like, why would I, why would I think about, about like this could, you know, what will happen if it ends? The fact that he had already been married twice and divorced twice somehow did not penetrate my brain at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, <laughs> duh. But uh, because yeah. it was romantic love, and lots of women fall into romantic love. Yeah. And I, and I, of course he knew everything. So, you know, yes, all of our money goes into a joint pot and then we use our joint money for everything that we need to do, regardless of, you know, it doesn't matter who's putting what into the pot. It all goes into the pot. And of course I didn't realize until he died that there was a trust fund set aside that I wasn't allowed to touch. That hadn't gone into the pot. That mm-hmm. was kept separately so that I couldn't touch it. Um, and that's kind of where most of the money was too. Um, so, uh, yeah. Do you have any idea yet why he cut you out of the will? Oh, I do. I do think, well, you know, I write in the book that I think it was kind of a, almost a, uh, crime of passion sort of a, a, a thing. I didn't see it as that when it first happened. I was, I mean, first I was just shocked. And, yeah. You must've been, uh, but, betrayal of this man that I'm, you know, waiting on hand and foot uh, while he's recuperating. And then he he doesn't want me to have anything if he dies. I mean, the idea that he didn't want me to be provided for after 35 years and that, um, and that he lied, that he, in order to achieve that, he said, I, I had abandoned him, which is a legal term, not an emotional. Right. He had got that from his lawyer. Exactly. His divorce lawyer. And I was so utterly devastating to me. Um, 
But yeah, it's an emotional and I financial and a security hit. Like it's just, it's yeah. a blow in every way, like all of those different ways. Yeah. But now when I look back at it, and actually it was somehow, I think during writing the book, people keep asking me if it was cathartic to write the book. And I feel like, well, not so much because all of those, it's not like I, you know, dredged out these things that I hadn't known were there and put them on paper. No, they were all stacked up inside me and they were weighing me down. So in a way of like, I took the bricks out of myself, I put them on the floor. Yes, it was cathartic in that way. But the catharsis, catharsis was when I had, when I realized I had to write something about us falling in love because I had written a lot of the grief and the shock and the betrayal and all the dark essays. And then I actually, the woman that I was working with, that was my reader said, I really want to know why you love this guy. Yeah, I know. I know. You kind of, you wonder like after all this. Yeah. Why the hell? So I had to sit down and then write about falling in love. And, and that was, that was kind of amazingly releasing. I hated doing it. When I first sat down to write about how we fell in love, like every bone in my body just wanted to rebel and and make it bad. I was like, mm, I should have known from the start. I just, oh, I had so much. I did have bitterness in me at yes, that point. Of course. Um, and then I and I forced myself to 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 drop that and to sort of try to recapture how. Amazed how amazing it actually was, and how enchanting it was, and 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 how sparkly and and bubbly and perfect. And once I allowed myself to go there, I think it was really the first time where I could start mourning my husband too, because I could finally think, oh God, this is what I lost, you know, not and not just not just what his presence, but I had lost also my great memories of him. His, through his will, he made me just remember him in the worst possible light. Yes. So writing those chapters, the Beauty and the Beast chapter and the Falling in Love chapter made me remember. And when I remembered, it sort of like it opened up it opened up the door for me to 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 sort of realize that with his obsessive love for me and and his control and how unhappy he must have been when I started distancing or growing up i I wasn't distancing, I was growing up, but yes, I was doing therapy, and yes, I wanted him to react a little differently, and yes, I started to have more demands, I started to have needs that I didn't have in the beginning and he didn't understand it. He didn't want it. He had not signed up for that. Again, I grew a lot from 19. He didn't grow at all from 41. Hmm. I mean, yes. that's just That's just math. So he was always the person that I had met and I changed. So I can, now it kind of, now I kind of see, I understand the progress of, you know, his, the woman that he loved changed and became somebody different and somebody who eventually acquired contempt for him for not following with me for not walking down the path with me 
And I think, I don't think he ever stopped loving me. I think this, um, this kind of, this nasty action at the end was in fact, in his weird way, the proof that how much he still cared, that he wanted to hurt me, that he wanted to injure me because he must have felt injured himself. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can completely see this, that, and I can see why it took you so long to be able to come to that insight. Um, so now you, you've, you know, you've, you have um, grown, you fell in love and then we're heartbroken. Is there any, are you open to new love? Is there any new love on the horizon? Would you approach it differently? I, I guess you would approach it differently. Oh, my or do you think God. you're going to be the damsel again? Oh, no, that <laughs> is never happening again. Um, now, I read this really amazing book. I so recommend this to anybody who's in a relationship or wants to eventually be in a relationship. This book called Us by Terry Terry Neal, I think his name is. And it's all about seeing a relationship as a unit and how um, I'm not, I'm not, I, we don't have the time for me to go into it, but God, it sort of opened my eyes to a lot of the things. And I was reading it when I was single and I thought, oh, the next man I meet where I feel like the potential for a relationship, like where I really think that this is going to go somewhere, I'm going to make them read this book before we, before we, get anywhere for real mm -hmm. and so I can say I've just handed that book off to somebody oh okay well listen I think that um speaking I think that's a very good use for a book and um and I totally wish you good luck on this next love adventure and I I'm looking forward to hearing more about it, whether it's through your Instagram, through another conversation. I'm the first person not told, by the way. So, oh. So this is still kind of, you I'm know, honored. moderately private. I okay. mean, you know, obviously being on a podcast, now it's maybe not so private, but I'm still, still just, you know, it's still early days. But I'm happy that it's you've come to a point where you feel that you need to give the book. To that yes, person. And the fact that I, you know, for a while I didn't even know that I could ever trust anyone again to 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 want to be in a relationship. And I'm still having a I'm still having a pretty hard time with the trust issues. Uh, and that's um I'm, that's um, that's something that I still have that that's my work is cut out for me. I have to work on the trust. Yeah. And I think, well, they will too. So you've just given it to them. So you're, they haven't necessarily read it yet. Oh no, he's read it. Oh, okay. And he was okay <laughs> with it. He, he loved it. He loved oh. It. And we had okay. amazing conversations about ourselves and where we're going and what we want. And yeah, it's a, it was a fantastic conversation piece, actually. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. So no, we're, 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 we're like, we're that that far off. Okay. And you know what? You just started glowing and you have a big smile. <laughs> and you're I'm giggling. Sweating a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paulina, I wish you so much luck in that new relationship and look forward to hopefully hearing more about it. I mean, I'd love, I think everybody who has sort of 
come to know you, um, at least, you know, through your Instagram and your writings, would I would just want to wish you the very best. And you so deserve to have a love that is mutual and equal and that, you know, brings you a lot of comfort and satisfaction. And like that, that is a safety, but not in a negative way, like safety. Well, not safe and boring. Yeah. Yeah. I I know what you mean, but you know what? I think we all deserve that. What we all deserve is to have at least one person that will look at us and really hear us and really hear for you, for who you are and what you are. You don't have to pretend you're better. You don't have to scream to be heard. You know, just somebody that will truly hear you. Yeah, and that is truly committed to you as a whole person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with with warts and all. Exactly. Well, I don't know of any warts you have. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see all any. On the inside. <laughs> Well, and so I wish you best of luck with that. And really for all of our listeners and the viewers, um, everybody should get a hold of Paulina's book, No Filter. It is a really wonderful read. And um, I'm predicting that we will be seeing a movie, a TV series, because it's just so, it's so enriching and interesting. And yeah, you've got lots more to add to it for your. Oh, thank you. Yes. You're, you're so kind and I so appreciate it. And as always, how fun is it to talk to you? So great to talk to you. Okay. Well, we'll keep following your adventures. Thank you so much for talking with Hollywood Life. And for all those listeners, make sure to keep uh, tuning into our podcasts and pressing the like button and subscribing. Thank you, Paulina. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.